Thank you, Dad. You didn't need to share all that. <laughs> I definitely learned a lot of uh, what to do by learning by doing the wrong thing. Right. That I, I, and what's really cool is I have three, I'm the oldest of four, and all three of my brothers are here this morning, so thank you guys for being here. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's cool, I, even specifically with my brother Kyle, who's the youngest, I, I really, it's cool to see Kyle make a lot of right decisions the first time. But I think that that's the benefit of being the younger brother. <laughs> you know, because, but, but it, it doesn't always just happen. Just because you're the younger brother, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden life is easy. Because I know a lot of people that are the younger brother, and it, shame on you for making the same wrong decision that your older brother already made. But what's really cool is, is to see, um, you know, trickling down all the way to my youngest brother, Kyle, that he was able to see me and some of my other brothers make poor decisions um, and to see uh, him kind of reap the benefit of just being able to see that. But nevertheless, that really is my story. I really did make a lot of not so great uh, choices and uh, turns uh, in decisions in my life, and I learned a lot from them, um, and I'm, I'm very grateful for for the the story uh, of God in my own life. This morning, um, I'm, I've, I've been given the topic of demonstrating wisdom, and the topic comes from this book, uh, The Measure of a Man. If you have not already uh, snagged a copy of this book on Amazon. Uh, if you're a part of Iron Man, I really encourage you to do so. This book is the framework for us uh, at the second half of, of this year, 2021. So we're going through this book together. This is the second month. Um, and I've been given chapter five. Uh, again, the topic of this morning is demonstrating wisdom. And this topic will carry over to next month. And all throughout the course of next month, we'll have a few other teaching fellows over at Four Rivers for Ironman Connect, and we're going to dive deeper and deeper into this topic. So I get the privilege this morning of just simply teeing, uh, teeing, teeing this off. Um, there are many ways that wisdom can be demonstrated in our lives, but this morning I'm going to hone in on just three. And we're really going to spend the majority of our time Honing in on just one, which in, in my opinion is the most important one. It's the it's the foundational one, and we're gonna we're gonna hone in on that. And that one is humility. Wisdom looks like humility. A wise man knows that he needs God. That's number one. To me, that's foundational. A wise man knows that he's in need of God. But how many times as men do we find ourselves living contrary to what I just said? We go about life depending on and relying upon our own abilities and our own strength. And, and, and maybe, that's, maybe that's society that's uh, painted this picture of a man for us that to me, it's, it's just not it, because I, I've done that. I've been there. I've tried that. I've gone through life, and I've gone off of what I think is best. 
I've been in a difficult season of my life and I've tried to depend on my own strengths and abilities. And what is it about being a man that sometimes we have such a hard time embracing and admitting our own weaknesses? Wisdom looks like humility. Uh, a wise man knows that he needs God. Man, how many times have you found yourself in a place in life, in a hard season? Maybe you're, maybe you're in this kind of season currently. Maybe you're experiencing some major need in your life. Maybe your health isn't so good. Maybe you have a loved one currently going through something really difficult. Maybe things are hard at work. Maybe the money's not coming in. Whatever it is, maybe you currently find yourself in a difficult season, or maybe you're coming out of one. Maybe you were in one years ago, or who knows, maybe this year or tomorrow or in the days to come, maybe you will experience one because that's life. But how many times do we find ourselves as men in these seasons of life and our response is to just buckle down a little harder, right? Stuff the pain and the discomfort and the disappointment and the struggle, just stuff it down a little bit deeper and just keep going. Don't let anyone see. Don't, I hope that nobody notices that I'm in a hard place. I hope my wife doesn't see my, my weak state. I hope my, my kids don't notice that I'm struggling. I hope that my friends can't see this. How many of us have been in that place? And, and what, what is it about being a man that it's so hard sometimes to embrace our weaknesses and even put them on display for others to see. How many times do we just act strong? And to me, the key word there is act. It, it, it's all an act, right? We, we, we can try to act strong, but is acting strong being strong? I, I don't think so. What if the biggest demonstration of wisdom Men, what if the biggest demonstration of strength is boldly admitting to ourselves, to God, and to others that we're weak? And in doing so, what if it's in that place that we actually find strength? Has, has anyone ever experienced that? Because this, this is my story. I went from Ryan acting strong to becoming Ryan, admitting that I'm weak. And in doing that, I actually experienced my greatest season in life of strength. Does that make sense? It says in James chapter 4 and verse 6 that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In verse 10, it goes on to say, humble yourselves, therefore, before God, and he will exalt you. Second Corinthians chapter 12 in verse 9 says that my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Paul goes on to say, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What is it about, what is it about pain uh, and suffering that sometimes becomes the, the, the greatest tutor for us in our life? Becomes the training wheels for us in our life to teach us of our own need and dependency that we were created to do life with God. And that life apart from God isn't really that great. Sometimes it takes experiencing a season of pain to remind us and to show us of what's always been there. Men, there's no wisdom in acting strong. I don't see that anywhere in Scripture, that there's any wisdom in acting strong. On the, in the same uh, in the same glean, but on the other side of the coin, how many of you guys have ever found yourself in maybe a really good season of life? The money's coming in. Marriage is smooth sailing. Our relationship with our kids are going really well. Maybe we're experiencing career advancements. We have the car that we want, the house that we want, so on and so forth. Our health is in a good place. And life is comfortable. How many times as men do we find ourselves in, in these kinds of seasons? And maybe this, is, maybe this is where you are today. How many times as men do we find ourselves in this kind of season becoming so prideful as to think that we got here on our own? And I, and I know I can say for me, if I'm going to, if I'm going to choose it, the, the difficult seasons or the really comfortable seasons, I will say that I struggle the most with the really comfortable seasons. Because pain always reminds me of my need for God. It always does. Why does it take tragedy sometimes? Why does it take uh, less than ideal situations to get our attention? What is it about sickness or difficulty or tragedy that causes us all to take a huge step back and look at our life and prioritize the things that matter? What is it about pain and suffering that almost sometimes is the biggest blessing in our life? I know for me, and I'll go a little bit more into my story here in a minute, I think that one of the greatest things that I ever went through was the hardest season of my life. Because I don't know if I didn't go through what I went through, I don't know if I would be standing here before you today. I don't know where I would be. A wise man knows that he needs God even in these kinds of seasons and sometimes even more in seasons like this. I, as my dad mentioned, um, my upbringing, I, you know, thank you, Dad, I, I grew up in, in what I consider an amazing home environment. Uh, I had both my mom and my dad uh, together. I uh, grew up with both parents, three awesome brothers, and what I considered an amazing Christian upbringing. Um, as far back as I can remember, uh, we all went to church on Sunday, uh, morning breakfast before school, always involved uh, some kind of Bible study, 
Uh, you guys remember my mom always would, she just came ready with, with the, the Joyce Myers and, you know, all of the, all of these devotional books. And I can tell uh, that she woke up earlier to prepare this message every morning. And uh, you know, what, what, what a blessing. At the time, it was annoying. <laughs> I'm looking at my brothers, I'm like, can I just eat my pancakes? Holy smokes. <laughs> Mom, it is 6.30 in the morning. I'm going to go to school and be talked at all day. Can I just have some peace and quiet? But, but, uh, but, but obviously, now looking back, my mom was sowing seeds. And um, man, what, 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 a, what a blessing. So that, that was my upbringing. But uh, it, coming into high school, everything kind of changed as you know, a lot of people do change in, in high school. I started experiencing a little bit more freedom. Uh, I feel like I was trying to find out you know, who I was. I got connected with the wrong group of people, um, the, the wrong friend group. Started finding myself in the wrong settings. And uh, I found myself also in a season where as a, as a young high school man, 14, 15 years old, um, you know, what are the things that are important to you in high school? Uh, right? G girls, athletics, uh, popularity. Uh, as my dad described, I had my dream car, which just oddly enough happened to be a Cadillac DeVille on 22-inch rims. And, you know, I, I had that, and it's, in my opinion, it was one of the coolest cars at school. And I'm a freshman. Um, varsity lacrosse player. I, I took a senior's position as a freshman. I mean, these are the things that matter, right, when you're in high school. So, again, to me, this is kind of like that second season that I was describing to you guys. I had everything going for me. I was comfortable. I had the girl that I wanted. I had the friends that I thought I, I wanted. And um, I, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't feel this tangible need for God. You know, and, and again, pain and suffering sometimes is like this physical, tangible, daily reminder, right? Mm -hmm. you, when you can't go about your day without it just reminding you all day long, you are in need of God. I wasn't in that kind of season. I was in a very comfortable season, and I wandered really far, um, really far, in my opinion, for, for a high schooler. And I got into some stuff and it became a dark season, but I thought I was having fun. I thought that life was going great. Would still go to church on Sunday and hear, you know, Pastor Ron, uh, Ron uh, Pastor Ron Tucson talk about how much I needed God. I'd go to youth group and hear Marcio talk about how much I'm in need of God, but it just wasn't registering. What a scary place to be, right? That you can be so comfortable that someone is talking about your need for God as a man, and there's just no connection to it. Well, uh, at the end of my junior year in high school, uh, something changed overnight. Uh, there's a lot of details to it, but essentially overnight, um, I became a very uh, anxious person. I began to experience uh, severe anxiety and panic attacks. Um, and really, over the course of weeks, months, and even years, I felt this really dark cloud of depression over my life. And I'm a, I just finished my junior year in high school. Still have the car, still have the girls, still have the sports, still have 
All, the, all these things are still there. But here I am, almost overnight, overcome with this dark cloud of, of, of loneliness and fear and anxiety. And I all of a sudden found myself in another kind of season. Well, this season became the greatest blessing to me in my life, in my story. Uh, this season that was marked by pain and suffering, it became a daily reminder to me that I am a man in need of God. And that's my first point, is that wisdom, it looks like humility and um, and uh, that a wise man knows that he's in need of God. It says in Proverbs chapter 1, in verse 7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's seeing God rightly that allows you to be able to see yourself rightly. When we see who God is, we can really discover who we are. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Jesus' first recorded public words uh, of his first recorded public message. And we, most of us know this, it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3. Uh, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And to me, this is fascinating. Because, again, here we have recorded Jesus, God in the flesh, his first recorded public words of his first recorded, you know, big public message. And his opening statement is, blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, blessed are the humble. Blessed are those who are not spiritually arrogant. Or in other words, Blessed are those who know their need for God. Amen. Because the best way to, to, to I, I think, or a way to describe what Jesus is trying to say is if you were bitten by a snake, a venomous snake, and I ran up to you and I had, I just happened to have an antidote for that snake bite in my back pocket. And I ran up to Andy and I said, Andy, take this so that you don't die. I want you to live. But if Andy doesn't really believe, I don't really believe that the snake really bit me. I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm like, Andy, just look at your, look at your leg. There's, there's two gaping holes in your leg. Look at the evidence in your life that you are in huge need of taking what I'm trying to give you. But unless Andy believes that he has a need for what I'm trying to give to him, He's not going to take it. So Jesus says, blessed are those. He opens up by basically saying, blessed are those who know their need for what I'm, for what I'm trying to give. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who know their need for God, man. I always want to be in this place in my life where I'm able to receive what God has for me. But it starts with humility, man. It starts by coming to a place where we can be open and honest and admit that I'm in need of what God has to give to me. 
I never want to be at a place where I'm not able to receive. Speaking of not being able to receive, to me, it's fascinating. This has always stuck out to me uh, that in all four of the gospel accounts, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that we see that prostitutes, sinners, sick people, and even blind people were able to see who Jesus was and receive. Isn't that fascinating? You get the blind man crying out, son of David, have mercy. I mean, it's like, how, did, how are you even able to, again, what is it about pain and suffering that sometimes allows us to see clearer than we've ever been able to see? But on the other side, isn't it fascinating that all throughout the gospel accounts that the religiously arrogant, the comfortable, the rich, these are the very people that just let Jesus pass them right by. Yeah. To take it further, these are a lot of the people that shouted crucify him. Yeah. The very people that you would think would be the most ready to see Jesus and recognize him in their life. These are the very people that shouted crucify him. But blind people were able to see who Jesus was. Again, men, it, I don't know what it is about being human and I don't know what it is about being a man that sometimes the greatest blessing in our life, it, it, it's the hard seasons. And maybe you're in a comfortable season. I feel like I'm kind of in a comfortable season right now too. And sometimes I, I think back on the seasons in my life when I woke up with this tangible daily reminder of my need for God. And as crazy as it sounds, sometimes I sometimes I almost feel like I, I miss it. You know, some of the most intimate times that I've ever had with God were in my hardest seasons of life. Because I, I felt the need. I need him. A wise man is a humble man who knows that all that he has, his gifts, abilities, and possessions are from God. Without our creator, we could not speak, write, walk, make decisions, or breathe. We would not be alive, and most of all, we would not have eternal life. It says in Acts chapter 17, 28, that in him we live, we move, and we have our being. Man, my goal is to be at a place in life that in, in, the, in, the, in the difficult seasons and in the comfortable seasons of life that, that I could say that on a daily basis, that I could know that, that I could recognize that in him, that I live, I move, and I have my being. Wisdom looks like humility. Wisdom also looks like a grateful heart. Wisdom looks like a grateful heart. A wise man also has a proper view of the grace of God. He knows that through God's grace, he has been saved through faith, not by anything he has done. Not by anything we have done, men. When we have a proper view, when wisdom 
is instilled in our hearts related to the gospel message. And we understand that it's not by anything that we've done or could ever do that could earn us this position in the kingdom of God, but that it's by grace through faith. Man, that instills gratitude within our hearts. And when gratitude is demonstrated, when gratitude comes out, to me, what's coming out is the wisdom of knowing the grace of God, a proper view of the grace of God. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men. Have you guys ever been around someone in your life that exudes gratitude from their heart? Because the, the thing about gratitude, I think especially for men, is that gratitude is really attractive. Gratitude is also really contagious. Um, I think of my I think of my uncle Sean. Many of you guys know uh, my uncle Sean, who uh, opened up in prayer this morning. He led the prayer on the knees this morning. That's one of the biggest things uh, about my uncle Sean to me that continues to stand out. If you know my uncle Sean, I'm sure you've noticed this too. Even even uh, a lot of you guys go to Purpose Church. Uh, my uncle Sean pastors Purpose Church here in Winter Garden, and uh, he kind of has this reputation of of be, being. Uh, uh, he wasn't this morning. A little long winded with his prayers. <laughs> but but the thing about his prayers is it's not a whole lot of asking. It's a whole lot of thanking. And. When he's praying, it's, it's almost like he has the hardest time not thanking God for each and every little intricate detail. Has anyone else ever noticed that about him or, or someone else in your life? It's, it's, it's impactful. What is that? To me, it's wisdom. He has such a view of the goodness of God in his life that it is demonstrated through gratitude expressed in prayer. Amen. That he has the hardest time. I think about my, my, my dad too. If you've ever been around my dad, if you've ever come to any family parties, my dad gives these, these speeches. Yeah. And uh, I love it because usually my dad is moved to tears in these family uh, speeches before Thanksgiving or Fourth of July or any party that's hosted, he has the hardest time uh, holding back tears because of the gratitude that I know that he's feeling for his family, for his loved ones, for the life that God's given to him and how much God has blessed him throughout his life. Man, is, is, is gratitude coming out of your heart? I, my, my prayer this morning, and, and even for myself, I, is that that I and that we would not take the goodness of God in our life for granted. Good. That we would not take the gift of eternal life for granted. So many times in my life, I, I, it's like I'm living life as, as though I'm just taking it for granted or that I'm not even acknowledging it. I want to be more like my Uncle Sean. I want to be more like my dad. 
that even when I talk about my family, even when I when I come before God in prayer, that I, I'm just like, sorry, guys, I, I can just keep going. God, thank you for this. My, how many sunrises I've, my uncle Sean has seen in his life, but he, he feels the need to take a picture of every single one <laughs> and post it on his Facebook and say, look at the beauty of God. But what is that? What is that? It's It's wisdom. It's wisdom to see and to be able to recognize the goodness of God in your life. And I want to be more like that. Wisdom, it looks like a grateful heart. And lastly, wisdom looks like a life of prayer. Isn't it fascinating that even Jesus, being God in the flesh, he demonstrated to us this rhythm in his life, this culture in his life of prayer, of complete submission and dependence and communion with his father. I love this. It says in Luke chapter 5 and verse 15 that when news about him, Jesus, was, it was spreading, all the more crowds of people were coming to him to be healed of their sicknesses. And I love this. Just... Just imagine. I mean, imagine hearing about a man that was raising the dead, that was casting out demon, uh, demons from people, and hearing, uh, healing people that had been sick their whole life, blind people, lame people, deaf people. <coughs> imagine if we heard that someone like that was here in Winter Garden. You can imagine the, the, the uproar, the, 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 the busyness of life around that man. I mean, even just think about a pastor, just simply someone that preaches the word of God. I mean, anytime I see Renault come down you know, downstairs at Oxum, it's like everyone's just like, shoo. Everyone just wants to talk to him. But imagine, imagine Jesus. Imagine the pressure and the demand that was on the life of Jesus during those, those uh, core years of his ministry. News about him was spreading. People were coming to hear, hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But the next verse is this. And it, to me, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's, it's, it, it almost seems random. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. You would think that the next verse just goes on and on about all the details of, you know, of, of the demons being cast out and of all the people being healed and getting saved. But no, the, the next verse talks about how Jesus often needed to just withdraw himself to lonely places and to pray. And why is this here? Because I can really relate. Maybe in my life I'm not daily, you know, casting demons out and healing sick people, and, and uh, I want to do all of those things. Um, unfortunately, my daily life, I, I'm not currently seeing all of those things in my daily life. But I can relate to maybe the, the busyness and demand of, of life that maybe Jesus was feeling. Um, I'm currently in what I feel like is, is a pretty busy season as I learn how to be a dad and the demands of a three-month-year-old baby. Um, I own and operate a cafe in downtown. Uh, I, I, my wife just got a new job. We just got a new home. There's just there's a lot of things going on in my life, and I will say that... that uh, that sometimes the busyness and demands of my life, they get the best of me. 
And this rhythm that Jesus is demonstrating, this wisdom that Jesus is demonstrating of this lifestyle and rhythm of prayer is absolute wisdom that I need more of in my life. It says in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, that one day when Jesus was praying in a certain place, that when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, can you teach us to pray? And I, I, I love this because here we have a disciple, one of Jesus' closest guys. He's seeing Jesus do all of these miracles, all of these amazing things, right? And in this moment, I feel like I personally don't know that my ask of Jesus in this moment would be, Jesus, can you teach me how to pray? Maybe it would be like, hey, Jesus, you know, how did you cast that demon out? Or, hey, you know, Jesus, how, can you teach me how to heal the sick? Or, Jesus, can you teach me how to, you know, your messages, they're just, they're profound. Can you help me with my message building? But, but this disciple, I think, had maybe spent enough time with Jesus that he was able to see and recognize the source Good. of the power that Jesus was flowing and he saw that it was his prayer life. And obviously, Jesus is very intentional. And Jesus, I believe, was doing this to demonstrate wisdom to all of us. And the disciple says, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? And what does Jesus say? He says, when you pray, say what? Father. The first thing that Jesus teaches about prayer is that it looks like an intimate relationship between a father and a son. Profound. And that's for every one of us. That's available to each and every one of us in this room. How many times do we find ourselves in our life, though, wanting the results or the benefits or the fruit of a relationship with God without the actual relationship? We all want the results. We all want the benefits. We all want the blessings. We want the power. We want a fruitful marriage. We want a, a fruitful relationship with our children. We want all of that. But I, I don't really know if I can make time for this, you know, this rhythm of prayer. Man, think about your relationship with your wife or your children. The relationship is non-existent without the investment of time spent. And in the same way, man, that relationship with God, it requires time spent. But this rhythm and this wisdom was demonstrated to us by Jesus, and we see the fruitfulness in his life. And that's the kind of life that God has for each and every one of us. I'll close by sharing a few more verses of Scripture that inspired me in my study. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, 
with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And lastly, 1 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 11. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Men, those are just three ways that I believe that wisdom can be recognized in our life. Wisdom looks like humility. Wisdom looks like a grateful heart. And wisdom looks like a life of prayer. Thank you guys. Amen.